0: you guys welcome to the untamed and unashamed podcast this is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster along with the help of guests from all walks of life we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts i'm jade bryce and i'm so grateful that you're here I feel so blessed to have interviewed some amazing people, Tom Shadiak, Mama Gina, Dr. Nicola Pera, Richard Rudd, and today's guest, NQ. When I first started my old podcast, I had a list of dream guests. It's like 10 people, and he was on it. And then I got to interview him, and I stayed high off of it for weeks. And for that last show, I emailed every few months for a few years before I got a yes from him. So I was pretty stoked when I got an immediate yes for this show. This man gives me so much damn hope in the world, y'all. He has such a light. He has such an open heart. And you can feel it watching his spoken word poetry videos. I watched two today, um, Why We're Alive, about being in love at 95, or it might be 85, and also The Wrong Side of History. They were two completely different type of videos in poetry, and I cried the same in each of them. They just his oh they just do something to you. And I'm I'm so excited to have him on today. I'm sure I'm gonna cry. (laughs) The most inspiring spoken word poet of our time, his words drop you into a deep vulnerability. He is a national poetry slam champion, award winning poet and multi-platinum songwriter. Named on Oprah's Super Soul 100 list of the world's most influential thought leaders, as well as being the best-selling author of the book, Inquire Within, which is also on Oprah's list of top 100 books. He's the first spoken word artist to perform with Cirque du Soleil. He has been featured on ESPN, HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam and A&E's Look Closer campaign, which debuted during the Emmys. Many of his recent poetry videos have gone viral with over 70 million views combined on topics of love, family, presence, forgiveness, and social issues, including climate change, gun violence, racism, and more. He invites us all to look inside and question our own existence to inquire within. I also know that he has a um, like a stand up spoken word poetry special on Amazon Prime video and much like you would watch a comedy special, but I think he's like the first and only one to ever do it of poetry. So that's also really cool. (laughs) A beacon of consciousness for our generation. Please help me welcome NQ to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. How are you? Good. So I last interviewed you in 2019. And we had an outline of um, suggested topics and questions, but we kind of tossed it to the side (laughs) and -hmm. spoke instead of what was alive for you at that time. Mostly we talked about love. So (laughs) I'm curious what's really alive for you right now? What's being stirred up in your heart and life currently?
1: What is being stirred up in my heart and life currently? I don't know. I feel good. You feel good? Yeah. I don't really have um, one specific thing that I like, you know, came on to talk about. I am excited. We're going to do a poetry workshop series in Morocco in October. Wow. Yeah. In Marrakesh. So So very excited about that. Um, Just because I love facilitating and bringing people together and, um, doing these poetry workshops and having adventures, yeah. And I'm selfish in terms of the things that I create for other people, mm-hmm. from the standpoint that I want to do them myself as well. Yeah. And so I've always had this like poetic dream of Morocco, and I've never been. And we partnered with this incredible boutique hotel that does cultural events, um, really around the world, but they have a stronghold in Marrakech. And so they've created this unbelievable itinerary, and I've come up with these prompts for um, the conceptual through line of what the poetry workshops will provide for the attendees. And so that's, um, I think, the 16th of October through the 21st. So I'm really Uh, really stoked about that.
0: Amazing. I'll tell, um, I recently had on Caitlin Howell, uh, which Mm -hmm. you might know through Aubrey Marcus. I'll tell her about it, because that's that's totally her, um, what she's doing right now, so... Um, which,
2: which
0: yeah, here for? Best. yeah so your name if I'm not mistaken NQ stands for in question yes okay so um, I love this and I'm curious the balance between knowing what we stand for and like who we are while also staying in the question not being so damn certain about everything yeah. um, kind of the reason why this came up for me is because I come from a really religious background that was so certain about the bible and heaven and hell and there's only one way and um, now that I find god in everything I feel so certain that that dogmatic right and wrong black and white narrative just isn't it but then however because I'm so certain about that that makes me kind of just like them you know so i'm curious the balance between like standing in the like being in the question and still um, and not like being so certain and so black and white, but like still knowing, I guess, what feels true for us and, and what we stand for maybe. Does that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to uh, change perspectives from mm-hmm. the standpoint of being uh, focused on one thing and then being focused on everything, you know,
2: mm-hmm. the micro
1: and the macro from the micro you have the minutiae of your everyday life. And like, for example, I'm a micro pessimist and a macro optimist. <laughs> so I like pretty much, I'm like Larry David in my everyday life. I'm like constantly like annoyed at things. And <laughs> my wife laughs at me all the time. But uh, on a macro level, I'm really optimistic about myself and ultimately about the world. And um, I think moving between those two perspectives Um, allows you to continue to just kind of see things from a different angle. So, you know, to to fully answer your question, like, um, you should believe the things that you believe. Because you believe them and you've had experiences that have led up to those beliefs and your experiences are very important. But you shouldn't think that your experience is the only experience. Mm-hmm. or your momentary truth is the only truth or your momentary perspective is the only perspective
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's when you're kind of pulling out and you know seeing it from a bird's eye view and that then gives you space to change your mind it doesn't even mean you have to it just means that you're like open to reevaluating um the things that you've learned along the way mm-hmm. And then I think that keeps you in growth, and I think growth is life. So pursuing growth is pursuing life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, if you're not growing, you're kind of not alive.
1: Yeah, um, well, that's the whole thing. You atrophy. You literally, you start to um, calcify.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Tom Shadyak is starting a podcast called Everyone's Right, right. and it's basically what you just said. Yeah, like. Um, no like holding your truth but like knowing it's not the only truth and so you can both be right and he wants to have on basically people on the show I, i'm sure he'll want to have you on and uh, even though y'all are both of a like mindset but he wants to have people on the show that feel differently from him and where they can just both hold space for each other and and hear each other out um so i'm really excited. yeah that's
1: cool i mean there's not there's definitely not enough of that and i, I love tom so
0: Yeah, healing, healing the polarity. So you have some really empowering perspectives on today's society where others might lose hope when it comes to issues like climate change, racism and gun violence. You find a way to speak truth that reminds us that we can't ignore what's happening um, and to get active while also responding in empathy and love. But I'd love to go into some of those topics with you. I'm curious, though, first, how do you stay hopeful in the midst of all the heaviness um, when there's another gun gun shooting? Um, how, how do you how do you how do you stay positive on the macro level?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's hard and it's even harder if um, you're not observing it, you're experiencing it. I mean, I can't imagine what these people are going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely met people who have lost people to gun violence along the way. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's unimaginable and it's unexplainable and you can't really make sense out of it. So I try to like compartmentalize that. And then on the other side, I feel like if you looked at every metric, and it's not even something that I feel. I mean, I've read about this. Peter Diamani's talks about this. If you look at almost every metric of, uh, humanity, the world is in a much better place than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people literally used to have 10 kids because f- five of them wouldn't survive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, your, your average life expectancy was like 35 years old. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just, Unfathomable how far we've come, and the only real thing that I'm terrified about on the larger scale is climate change because it could reach a point where it's irreversible, mm. um, and so that's certainly something that's like <laughs> more than disconcerting. It's an it's an emergency,
2: yeah.
1: Um, but also, I feel like all of these things that happen are the comparison point that we will probably need to create the leaders that are gonna make changes for an even better future than we're experiencing right now.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And all the division that we have out there right now, I mean, it comes from like, you know, we we haven't had a world war in whatever it's been. I mean, it was 70 years or something like that. A lot of people haven't experienced it. We don't really know what it's like. And so there's almost like um, a group of people who've never experienced something like that that are now the pendulum is swinging and they're like moving back towards like conflict because they don't fathom how bad it could mm. actually get. But even then, that's what would need to happen for the pendulum to then swing more towards the opposite side. So it's not like I'm blindly hopeful
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um I'm aware of how much suffering is out there right now, and I actually, unfortunately, think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I also just try to be good to myself. I try to be good to the, you know, people that I love, and I try to be good to strangers. Yeah, uh, really simple interactions can make a difference in someone's day, and that difference can ripple out into somebody else's day. So there's no point to walk around powerless. Yeah, and when I zoom out again. I feel like everything's going to be all right.
0: Yeah. And in the, in that process, how do you also like stay sensitive and, and um, be able to go to that place of action um, to create change without getting in a place of like anger, finger pointing and blame. Do you have anything on that?
1: Well, it's like the podcast name. I mean, everybody thinks that they're right. Yeah. And everybody is. um so there's there's no point uh wasting energy or or having friction unless i want to start a fire Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless there's like a purpose Mm -hmm. there um the political system is super fucked up right now Mm -hmm. so it it does feel really hard to make actual change um because our representatives are not doing what the majority of Americans want. And the system has kind of been rigged. Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, democracy is now up for grabs. And that's definitely scary. There's no doubt about it, because I want to have people who have different opinions around me. I think that's what creates uh, ultimately better solutions to the problems that we have but we're not even listening to each other anymore. We're just kind of like screaming at ourselves in a mirror. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, like I said, I just try to like build bridges instead of walls. I try to connect with as many people as possible, almost always. And I travel around the country all the time. When I meet people, they're fucking awesome. (laughs) Everybody's doing the best they can. And when you connect with them on a human level and you look at them in the eye and you care about them, they respond. It's just like these ideologies back to kind of the original conversation that we started with that are, um, not allowing us to see each other anymore. Mm -hmm. We're just seeing some opposing ideology, uh, so if we could do what we were talking about at the beginning personally, publicly as well, if we, you know, if what we could do as individuals we could do collectively, the world would start to shift again. If we could like believe in what we believe, but also be open to hearing other people's opinions or to knowing that they have a different experience and maybe that's why they have a different perspective and trying to meet in the middle. I mean, in a relationship, you have to try to compromise. And for some reason it's like we don't realize America is in a relationship. Mm-hmm. We have to try.
0: Yeah, and, and um you brought up hearing the other side, like if that's different than ours, if we're just in an echo chamber, we're also like not learning anything. We're just <laughs> you know, we're just hearing exactly what we think, then like there's no um opportunity for growth or change in that either um what do you feel with um I, you you know I'm in Austin and about an hour and a half is where the Uvalde shooting was and then um you know the next week we had the um abortion laws like there's just so much going on like all at once it feels like and so much is shaking up what do you feel is like really at the root do you think that it's like we've um just been disconnected from humanity or or what do you think is at the root of all of this where we're like forgetting that the other person is is a human is a person
1: well the, the people that are doing the school shootings are, are mentally ill mm-hmm. um and the people that are uh stopping us from making regulations around uh gun ownership in america being reasonable are motivated by ideology and by money
2: mm-hmm
1: and by fear and by propaganda
2: yeah
1: um i don't know how to bridge that gap Hmm. yeah i mean i i uh it's heartbreaking yeah. yeah i i wrote the piece that i wrote and i've done it all over the place and and done it for a lot of we raised a lot of money for charities over the years and and um to hopefully make a difference here, but you know, the wall of money on the other side is, is really pretty unstoppable. Um, And now, unfortunately, I mean, I think the Democrats made like a 30 year mistake with the Supreme court. And it's clear that they're not going to do what the majority of Americans want. They're going to follow their own. uh, Moral uh, compass, which is, Uh, based on religion. Yeah. And um, party, you know, I heard some sort of a statistic the other day that like Democrats and Republicans, and by the way, I consider myself extremely liberal, but I'm not stoked on the Democrats either. I'm not like, you know, I don't feel like they've done a great job and, and I feel like they've kind of lost their way as well. But what I do think is for the things that I believe in, like for me, like, um human rights uh they're still much better (laughs) that's what I believe people could turn off if they want or not but like I mean this thing that just happened with Roe versus Wade or the fact that now people are going to be able to walk around New York with guns even with all of these school shootings that we've had this year or public shootings that we've had this year is really just mind boggling to me.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's hard not to demonize the other side. It's hard not to victimize yourself and to turn them into villains, but they're mm-hmm. not Mo- most of them have just convinced themselves of something. um, And they think that we've convinced ourselves of something. So we have to find some sort of a way to meet in the middle. And one of the ways I think to meet in the middle is to actually, like, do what the majority of Americans want rather than um, try to game the system, which is Mm -hmm. what's kind of been happening over and over again. Um, But, yeah, this is going to last a long time. I think they're going to go after uh, gay rights. I think they're going to go after a lot of things. And like, for example, I love Austin. Like, I love Austin. It's such an incredible city. Um, But I feel for you guys because, um, you know, states uh, are going to start becoming more um, important than they've ever been Mm -hmm. in terms of like, if they represent uh, who we want to be in the world and how we want to live.
0: Yeah yeah um it's hard when religion is involved because that brings god into it and what you think like god has given you or what you think um um god has spoken on i guess you know
1: yeah and and by the way i understand that stuff too because i feel like people like people are always like i don't understand pro-life at all, and you're like, well, if you if you do think that it is murder, mm-hmm. then of course you would do anything you could to stop that. But that's not what my belief is, and I don't believe that I, I should be able to tell somebody else what to do with their body. And I find it really like my—it's so crazy the amount of hypocrisy both sides have.
2: Yeah,
1: you know because uh, people are totally pro life but then they won't do anything about gun regulation.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're like, "Well, that doesn't make sense or like, you know, programs to help uh, education for kindergarten or healthcare for people who can't afford it once they're here."
2: Mm-hmm. So you're like,
1: "Those things don't really match up." Um and there's a lot of those kind of hypocrisies on on uh on both sides.
0: Yeah. What do you feel that we can do, um, like, individually uh, to help build that bridge?
1: I really don't know. I don't have a lot of um, constructive solutions in terms of doing something yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Because, I, like, for example, I, I, none of the things that are have been floated make any sense to me. And even mm-hmm. if they did, I wouldn't know specifically how to make them happen. I don't think they should... Uh, expand the Supreme Court. Mm. Um, I just think that would set a bad precedent, and it would just never end. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a really kind of fucked up situation. But what I was saying before is what I believe, which is that the new leaders, and this isn't me uh, not taking responsibility. It's just me saying that that everyone is a reaction to their environment, and. Mm-hmm. We, as Americans, have become lazy. You know, like, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to give up their Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I just, you know, I think that things will change as things change. And the leadership that will come out of that will come out of... um, challenging times there's that saying I don't remember the specifics of it but it's like you know hard times make strong people uh strong people make good times good times make weak people weak people make hard times yeah hard times make strong people yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. um
0: yeah yeah I'm uh it's hard like I apologize for that specific question. Cause I know it's such a big question, but um, because I'm on the spectrum, I'm always like, tell me what to do. Like get it out for me what to do and I'll do that. And I'm like such a solution oriented person. It's part of having like more adrenochrome is like looking for the solution. And um, I think that's what's so frustrating for me is there isn't, it doesn't feel like there is one right now. Um,
1: yeah. Not, not immediately, but yeah. I think you gotta, you know, love harder and create more and be kind to people.
0: Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely more kindness. So you have a poem called are the things you're using, using you. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we discuss the balance of this that you talk about and still, um, I guess like being a good steward of what we have. Uh, For example, I can um, use me and my sister. So my mom would laugh that she would give my sister a dollar or she'd give me a dollar and I would act like I got a hundred dollars and I would like stretch it. And I would do like, I could make the most of that $1. Whereas she could give my sister a hundred dollars and it's like, she'd spend it like a dollar, you know, she'd like get rid of it real quick and it's, there's nothing wrong with either. It's, we both come from um, trauma of a lot of scarcity with different responses. And um, last month I had to get rid of all my, almost all of my stuff because my house had mold and mm-hmm. I kept getting right. people saying like oh it's just stuff but my books were my best friends and I had a lot of writers you know write something in them and um they were so dear to me and and then I had a coat that this woman bought for me when I was living in my car when I was 15 so I had that mm-hmm. coat for 23 years and I not only kept it because fashion comes around but because it reminded me that we're all meant to be that warm coat for souls when they're cold, you know, Mm -hmm. and that coat was one of my favorite things I'd ever had. And so I get challenged with being over sentimental of my things. And also like growing up with this very hardworking single mother, um, like really wanting to take care of my things um, as a, as a mother myself, but I also don't want to let my things use me, you know? So um, I don't know if that's a complicated way to (laughs) dissect the poem but curious if you have thoughts um i strive when i read that poem i'm like yeah i don't want to care about my stuff i want my kids to feel like they can you know jump all over the place and not feel like things are for decoration
1: right i mean some things are for decoration i like (laughs) people's interpretations of my poems always vary and my interpretations of my poems always vary Sometimes people will come up to me after a gig and they'll be like, "Oh, when you said this." Da 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 da. I was so blown away and it's the wrong thing. I never really? said that. And <laughs> you know, I just don't I even I don't correct them. I just like nod and, you know, because whatever they heard is what they were supposed to hear. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't want you or anybody else to uh overcomplicate it like there's a right or a wrong way. I, I mean, definitely. there's lots of stuff that I have that is more decorative and I consider it art. And even like the jacket you were talking about, it's usable art. Mm. And I don't like look at stuff from a judgmental standpoint while I'm navigating through life. Stuff is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> stuff is really um, useful and beautiful and we're constantly surrounded by people's dreams you ever go into a supermarket and actually just like look around you'll be struck by the fact that you're surrounded by dreams even all of the crap it's somebody's dream manifesting to the world Mm. and so first of all that's just a nice way to walk around Yeah. (laughs) Think about the fact that you're surrounded by people's dreams. Hmm. Um, But then there is a difference between that and like buying things that you don't need because you're filling up some hole inside of you or uh, thinking that your things are you and that you're better than other people because of what you have Mm
2: -hmm. or
1: they're not as good as you because of what they don't have.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Or getting something that you save for a special occasion that never comes.
2: <sighs> yeah.
1: Um, Or thinking that your things are better than you. Mm. Some people do that. They think that their things are better than them. They bought this thing. It represents me so much that I'm not good enough to use it.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Today isn't good enough for me to wear that. And it's just uh I think every day is a special occasion. Every moment is the only moment. And uh yeah, happy to happy to be here right now. So why yeah. not use the things rather than have them use you?
0: Yeah. Um every morning my me and my kids' mantra is holy moly, we're alive. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, it could have been nothing, but it's this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mine was so bad. My mom's amazing, amazing lover. Uh, my father wasn't around either, but my mom and I had a hard time seeing eye to eye and had a complicated relationship, but I'm super, super grateful to her. And, um, but mine was, oh, how I hate to get up in the morning. That was what she would sing to me. What? Oh, oh how I hate to get up in the morning oh how I hate to get out of bed that was how every morning that was what it was and I'm like wow that's so you know negative yeah. now that I think of it she of course didn't mean it that way it was yeah. meant to be like a fun little you know thing but like it's just interesting the stories that we uh yeah. tell other people the stories we tell ourselves that you know what we say really matters so
0: yeah, like she was maybe trying to bring some humor into the the feeling of yeah, not wanting, <laughs> not yeah, wanting to well, get another day.
1: That's how my mom relates to people. Often is through um, like dark humor drama or yeah. like tragedy or what's mm-hmm. going on, what's wrong, you know that you know. And it, she's very empathetic. She has a big heart. She's been through a lot. But so I think that actually probably in retrospect, I mean, I don't know where she came up with the song, but that, I mean, that's what she was probably relating to me. Yeah. Cause I wanted to stay in bed, mm-hmm. you know, but I think, um, Holy Moly, we're alive or it's probably a good, good reminder. That's, yeah. That's the one.
0: yeah. So, um, like last time I asked Tom Shadyak for, for help on coming up with the questions cause I just, I feel like there's certain guests that they're just so gold that I'm like, I can't ask one, like I can't ask a good enough question to bring out like the gold they are. No,
1: no, 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 (laughs) no! Don't say that. You're great.
0: Thank you. Well, his question that I, I teared up when he asked was, "How does he, as a poet, strive in his own life to become the poem?"
2: Well,
1: um, I think it depends upon what poem he wrote,
2: Mm.
1: you know, because you could become all sorts of different types of poems Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you could become different poems at different times in your life. Mm -hmm. But let's say it was an enlightened poem and he wanted to become that poem. Um, then he would just have to continue to be present yeah yeah i don't know if there's much I of a deeper a deeper, <laughs> a deeper yeah. answer to that
0: i think about the two poems on your website that you've um, they' there at the bottom which one is um why we're alive. I think it's called about being in love at 85 Mm -hmm. and then right below that is the, um, wrong side of history. which evokes such different emotions in you, but like your face is just as wet hearing you speak both of the, the words, um, because it's so moving. Um, and I feel like the, the first one uh, becoming the poem is, is yeah, like living, living breathing the words embodying uh what it is to like love your partner in a way that makes you feel holy moly i'm alive and Mm -hmm. then maybe that second one is um hearing the children scream you know um not not forgetting um the pain yeah of of that there are people suffering um and not being in, in a bubble, I suppose, and getting lazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, both both are true and they're true all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we only focused on the worst things that were happening in the world, no one would ever smile. Yeah. Literally. I mean, because there's always right now the worst things that you could imagine are happening. Mm-hmm. But also the most beautiful things that you can imagine are happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, everything is happening at the same time so you know it's it's a dance um
0: yeah that's why I like that you had those two like those are the two that are on your page because it's it is um it's the dance between the two Yeah. yeah
1: I also I mean to go back to the earlier question that that Tom asked like I don't really I mean I hope that I never like become the next poem that I write because the next Mm. poem that I write is usually something that's aspirational or inspirational or something that is frustrating to me, you know, Mm -hmm. something that I need to express, you know, that that is, is really either annoying me or or making me angry, you know, a social or, or a political issue. Mm -hmm. So um, in that way, you know, I'll always continue to uh, explore new ideas as I become a, a new person. You know.
0: Yeah. Is that typically where your writing flows from? Like a thing that you're wrestling with within.
1: Yeah, or just something that that sparks me. Something that's like really interesting to me. Because you, I'm I'm definitely like not reinventing the wheel.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, no nobody really is. But there are new. Inputs, there's new stimulus, and your experience, um, as infinitesimally small as it is, is also an absolute miracle Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and unbelievably unique to you. Mm -hmm. So, um, I like approaching things that either I've explored in the past from a new angle or Mm -hmm. someone else has explored, but they haven't explored it through my particular genre, um, just something that has some sort of a hook to it. Yeah. Because if it's interesting to me, then I think it will be interesting to other people. I don't think of it from the standpoint of like, what would be interesting to other people? That's just Mm -hmm. not the way I approach art. Some people do. They're very like strategic with their inspiration. But for me, when I strategize my inspiration, it's close to manipulation. And Mm -hmm. I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I like the feeling of just exploration. And exploring always starts from well, where do you wanna go? Like, what's interesting to you?
0: It's no secret that shame free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York times, the Today show, and many more, including me, whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand, even better Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelled A-E-R. It's called air. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris. So you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code Jade today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. That kind of connects to the next audience question, who's Who's Milk, uh, Tom's beloved. and she's hey, what's up? And she sings the intro to this podcast as well. So she asked, what is his philosophy on creating first responder art versus creating art outside of urgency of the political world? I think that really is relative for her because of the, the songs that she comes up with.
1: Wait, are we live right now, by the way?
0: No, we're private. (laughs)
1: Okay, I was just making sure that I didn't like make coffee while people were waiting. That would have been super (laughs) super messed up. Um, What was the question?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So she says, what is his philosophy on creating first responder art versus creating art outside of urgency of the political world? And I know this is probably really relative for her because um, a lot of her art, a lot of her music is born from like something that goes on in the world that she wants like to to kind of help comfort people in that moment you know
1: yeah I mean like I have this one poem in the book and and it's very short it's like uh, I don't even know if I remember it but it's how do we talk about the problems without feeding them if we ignore them we most likely keep repeating them Mm -hmm. if we explore them we run the risk of reinforcing them so how then do we get down to the source of them?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's an open-ended piece. It's just a, you know, a question that I'm pro- proposing to myself, you know, and and the audience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it's complicated. I mean, you know, your life is your greatest art. So everything you do is your art. But sometimes I'll, like, look at tweets after one of these tragedies or, or people posting, and it just seems so performative to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's not that people probably don't believe what they're saying, but they're almost in, like, a competition on who can say the wittiest thing mm-hmm. about a tragedy mm-hmm. so they can get the most likes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of the times when I write art that's, like, and not that I have the right... <laughs> Um, strategy personally for this. But when I'm writing something, um, I'm writing it for me. Uh, I'm just literally like, I have something that I think and feel about this. And I just want to express it through my art form. mm
2: -hmm. And
1: not that I'm putting down anyone else's expression, but like, it's very personal for me at the beginning. And then I finish it and I decide how and when I want to share it. And then oftentimes I I wind up having pieces that are really relevant to something that then happens in the news cycle that overtakes everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel comfortable putting it out because I don't want to steal the oxygen Mm -hmm. out of the room. I don't want any attention to, to come to me even though the poetry maybe does represent how people feel, which that could be considered a personal issue, <laughs> I, you know, in terms of like, I don't know, may, maybe there's a part of me that doesn't want that attention, but I, I think more how I frame it in my mind or how it feels for me is is that like, I don't know. I. I I don't feel that my, I don't know, it's very strange. Like, even the, the, the gun piece that we did, we had done that, you know, a year and a half earlier.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I didn't put it out when, when they put it out, the director did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was after the Las Vegas shooting. Mm-hmm. And she just put it out. And I felt really uncomfortable about it, to be quite honest. And when it started to go viral, I was I was I was moved that people were moved, but I also didn't want any of that attention. I just would rather that it went towards the issue in a way that actually I don't know did something. Yeah. So I have I, I'm not expressing myself well because I'm actually not clear on how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But what I know is is that like. Oftentimes, I have a bunch of pieces that I just don't put out when something then happens because mm-hmm. there's something about it. I don't want it to be performative. I don't want it to be leveraging tragedy in order to like. I just don't. I don't want that at all. So I have a complicated mm-hmm. relationship with a lot of the political and social pieces that I write.
0: Yeah, it sounds like um, when you do release it that, or when you create it, that it's like it's actually what you're processing it's your process and um in a sense like you're sharing your process with us instead of trying to um tell us how we should be processing it I guess and that's what also makes it such beautiful art I think though that um I know for me when I when I saw that gun piece I think a lot of times people can um in those moments they don't they know they know like what the sensation is, but they don't know how to um, articulate it in a, in a way. And I think that's the beauty of poetry is a lot of times it puts words to our feelings, but also it felt like a call to action. And there were people, especially here in Texas who like um, really hide behind that second agreement, that um, second amendment. And really it's um, so much about like not taking away their guns, you know, and like, I felt, for me, when I read that, when I heard you speak that poem, it was like, oh, I feel like this is spoken in a way that, um, I guess, I don't know, It like for me, it was spoken in a way that was just so perfect that I felt like this is, this is exactly what we're needing to hear right now. So I'm so, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And then at the same time, I'm like, so glad that it was released because I feel like, it it touches people in a way that like someone on a pulpit or someone on a, like um, a political stand may not hear it, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it's just a strange time. That's a nice thing to say, but it's just a strange time. Like people are like, they've become activist influencers,
2: Mm.
1: which is like, it's like very complicated. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what you do, your ego is involved. Uh Um, So I just, you know, try to keep a check on that for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, I kind of have a complicated relationship with that. But I also think that everyone should be expressing themselves in every possible way they can. Mm -hmm. Um, Because emotion is energy in motion and if you don't move the energy it gets stuck inside of you and that's what creates that mental and physical Mm -hmm. uh disease Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um so yeah art is art is the best medicine i don't mean to sound overly judgmental no yeah
0: yeah no i totally get it and it um it makes me want to you know check myself on um how I post and when I post, I know that um, there's a feeling of like, I can't not say something like we have, you know, like, and then, but, but totally everything that you're saying really um, makes me want to check all of those areas. So thank you. Um, yep. All right. So I have one more question before the lightning round. Lightning, And, <laughs> and then um, I was hoping because it is so, different. Um, it's a completely different experience reading a poem than it is hearing it from the poet's lips. I was hoping that, um, you could share a poem to close off the show if that's possible. Yeah, sure. Okay. Awesome. So, um, the last question is before the lightning round is in your workshops, you teach how to redefine the moments that change our life. Um, can you explain a bit of that process and maybe how to, maybe what's the first step in redefining that moment? Like a lot well, of people, to, for a lot, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, the first step is picking a moment. You got to mm-hmm. find a moment that, um, that changed who you are in some way. Mm-hmm. It could be a good moment. It could be a bad moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for a can, lot of people, it's a terminal discovering they had a terminal illness, or just a an illness even, or um, you know, the day that their father left. Things like that.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think whatever it is, it just has to be moving and meaningful to you in some way. And something that you wouldn't normally talk about after 15 minutes at a dinner party. So it has to be like one layer deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have to explore it through a poem. You Mm -hmm. put 20 minutes on a clock. And uh, you don't let perfect be the enemy of good you don't try to make something good or even great. You try to make something true. And if you make something true, it will be great. And it can rhyme if you want it to rhyme. It can not rhyme if you don't want it to rhyme. It can be long, it can be short as long as you're not shorting yourself. Mm. (laughs) Um, But it has to be a poem. And to make a poem, you have to intend it to be a poem. So that might come out like a journal entry. It doesn't matter as long as your intention is I'm making a poem, because if you intend to write a poem, then it's a fucking poem. No one can tell you anything different. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And then uh, you have to kind of approach it from the standpoint of exploring the moment, exploring why it is so memorable to you, exploring the emotions that you had before, during and after And then trying to come to some sort of gratitude around what you learned and who you became. And if you follow that conceptual arc, or completely throw it out the window and do whatever you want to do, which is better, always, (laughs) um, either one of those, whatever you express is what wanted to come out. And that's what moves the emotion.
2: Yeah.
1: That's what creates energy and motion is to, you know, take energy that's over here and move it over here and then show it to someone else so that you can kind of be witnessed. And by mm-hmm. showing, I mean sharing. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. Like, you know, in the Morocco retreat, we'll have a conceptual through line, as I said, to these prompts that like lead people ultimately towards infinite possibility and hope and empowerment so that they can have this creative tool when they kind of like go back into their lives and they can use it anytime they want on their own. Um, But they also come back different because they've shared this experience with other people. They've been able to see the mirror of their own humanity with different circumstances and different backgrounds. And they've also gotten so far out of their comfort zone that when they come back, they can actually like feel different in their lives. Yeah. Um, So it's not like a magic key or anything, but uh, it is is one way to kind of re-spark your your growth.
0: Yeah. um, I was just at a retreat last week in Costa Rica and on the first day, because it was all women, it was a tantric retreat. But the first day we um, got into groups and we shared Like a defining moment for us, that was a sisterhood wound. Like a time that we felt betrayed by another woman, and then we acted out the emotion. So we didn't like turn it into a poem, but whatever that emotion was, whether it was betrayal or anger, we would act it out while the woman would witness us and kind of just like um, do motions around us while we were like doing this theatrical movement and um, being witnessed by other women um, in your pain, like other women you know in your sisterhood pain especially um and then also the fact that like you were getting out of your comfort zone like you said but there was something too about the articulation of the wound that brought into awareness how it's still playing out in your life with mm. women today so um i'm sure that uh it's that's a lot of what people take away from it as well and it's it's so so powerful so um that sounds amazing especially for writers i'm um, I'm trying to write a book. I really only have the dedication so far, but
1: <laughs> that's good. That's a good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, start at the end, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so um I'd love for you to You should come to Morocco. I know I should. I really um oh, I really um I have a little bit of African in me, but I really want to make it up to North Africa. Um I tried to go to Morocco at some point, but at the time it was like really not dangerous for women to go by themselves. Maybe it's changed now because I'd, I'd love and to go. Not
1: dangerous or se- not safe? Sorry, sorry,
0: not safe. Yeah. At yeah, yeah. the time for women. Yeah.
1: Um, well, we have a whole, like, it's going to be really, really dope. I'm very, yeah. very excited about it. And I've done a bunch of retreats in the past. We did uh, Hawaii and Bali. and um, But this one's cool because I've literally, mm-hmm. I've never been here. But the people that are um, putting this together are creating some really <laughs> special stuff.
0: I've never been to that area, but there's something about it that feels really magical. So I know I'm going to be there at some point. Um, Yeah, maybe me and Caitlin can go together. I'm going to read that.
2: Yeah, cool.
0: So um, do you have a poem that maybe feels like on your heart? And you can share a bit about, um, I guess, the story behind it and then the poem itself?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: It can Um, be older now, whatever you feel.
1: Yeah, I'll do a new one.
0: Okay.
1: This kind of feels like what we were talking about earlier, so. People know that times are hard. The world is worse than it has been. People know that life is tough, that this might be the very end. People know that there's more darkness in the future than there's light. I know one thing. Everything's going to be all right. People know the bombs will drop. They know that crime is on the rise. People know there's poison crops. The doctors get our children high. People know that what you know is wrong and what they know is right. I know one thing. Everything's going to be all right. People know the sky will fall, the trees will burn, the seas will boil. People know the air will thin, the ice will crack, the food will spoil. People know they're gonna die, so why not just give up the fight? I know one thing, everything's gonna be all right. People tell me they refuse to bring babies in this world. People tell me it's not fair to them, it's too much to endure. People sell me their experience without historical hindsight. I know one thing, everything's gonna be all right. I know how hard it was at every other point to be alive. I know we used to have 10 kids because five of them would not survive. I know a fridge was once technology. Most humans died at 35 and life made no apology. It wasn't always on your side and that was the psychology. The fittest were the ones that thrived. Your lineage is quality. Your DNA's electrified. Your cells are your mythology. Your ancestors are in your blood. We wouldn't even be here if they flirted once with giving up. We wouldn't even be here to complain that we don't have enough. We wouldn't even be here to keep buying all this useless stuff. But people seem to know they need a crutch to make it through their day. They know that they're in pain, so they won't have it any other way. They know what they can't say. That's why they lie awake at night. I know one thing. And I know that I don't know you, that my words don't carry weight, but I try because I owe you for the years I harbored hate. Use my eyes so I can show you how most people can't relate because most people want to stay most people and I can relate. It's a lot to clean your slate, to have the faith to up and stop, to know that everything will be all right even when it's not. To know that knowing isn't knowing, it is choosing what you want. It is winning when you're losing and still loving what you've got. Sure, I often get upset, resentful, and filled up with spite. I don't get how humans have the right to steal human rights. I don't get the violence and the wars, the poverty and strife, but I know that having lows can carve the space for higher heights. How can you have gratitude for tragedies that make no sense? How can you find peace in chaos? How can you take your revenge? How can you embrace your sadness to find happiness in life? You know one thing.
0: Thank you. I love your poetry so much. Thank you. All right. There's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say?
1: Everything's going to be all right.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be?
1: I think the Prophet by Khalil Gibran.
0: That's uh, that's the Tom bought me three books when we first met, and that was one of them.
1: Yeah, um, it's an amazing, amazing book.
0: Yeah. Ugh. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Everything's gonna be over. Yeah. <laughs> Before I let you go, where can people buy your book or find your spoken word poetry or find you online?
1: Yeah, so my book is called Inquire Within. And you can go to in-q.com for everything. I mean, you can get Inquire Within on Audible. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. You can get it in Amazon or your local bookstores. Um, But, you know, if you want to come to the Morocco retreat, just come to inq.com. And uh, you can sign up for the email list. And you can watch my Amazon Prime special um uh, yeah. as well everything's you know anything you need videos or whatever is is right there
0: yeah amazing thank you so much
1: yeah thank you for having me jade
0: um your uh i believe that your amazon prime is like the only spoken word poetry right like every there's like stand up comedy but yours is like the only spoken word poetry that's up
1: yeah i actually don't know that to be true i um but it's definitely if if there are other ones, they're few and far in between. Yeah. So it, it's a nice a nice honor.
0: That's really cool. I hope it. I hope that you kind of paved the way, and it becomes the norm because that would be <laughs> that would be just as healing as stand up comedy. So
1: yeah, yeah, I I mean I want little kids to think I want to be a poet when I grow up and have yeah. some sort of a path to do uh,
0: that. Such a cool thought. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your time and your light and um. Just for, for all that you are in the world, it, it gives me a lot of hope and I know it gives a lot of people hope. So thank you. for for Yeah. Talk to you soon. Okay. You guys, I don't know if you could tell how nervous I was throughout that whole interview, but I am sweating right now. I don't know. Like (laughs) I don't get like, not that he's like super famous, but I don't get starstruck on people often, but I remember last time I interviewed him, and, and this time I just, oh, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel so much pressure to like <laughs> try to, because um, I know, like, with these people uh, like him, that there's just, they're just so full of medicine. And I feel like the pressure to ask the questions that bring that out, even though I know that, like, it doesn't matter what I ask, they're medicine in themselves, and the medicine's gonna come out but it's still, I don't know. It just makes me so nervous. (laughs) Um, I love him so much though. And I highly suggest that you go to NQ.com and scroll down to the bottom of the page and listen to his two poems, the one about being in love and that it's why we're here. Oh my God. It's so romantic. And then, um, the one about the wrong side of history, it's, it's really, it's a call to action. And, um, It's a bit intense, but I think it's beautiful to um, sit with the emotions that come up during both of them, especially back to back. Um, All right, so thankful for him. Um, And uh, I will also thank the affiliates. As you know, maybe probably that I've become a affiliate, an affiliate for Gene Keys, which has changed my life. And, um, their newest program is called the dream arc. You can use this link in the show notes and I'll, I'll spell it out for you right here to purchase any of their programs, whether it's the Venus about love, the Pearl about prosperity, whichever one it is that you want to purchase. If you use my affiliate code, I get a little cut and, uh, yeah, it would, it would really, um, bless me. So. And it'll really bless you because the programs are freaking amazing. So that is Jean Keys, Gene Keys, G E N E, GeneKeys.com forward slash the dash dream dash arc arc forward slash R E F forward slash 1707 forward slash. That is also in my Instagram bio and in the show notes. Highly, highly, highly recommend it, you guys. They're self-paced, but you will find out so much about yourself. It's like, I don't even I never felt like horoscopes did much for me, but this is like, I mean, it you it's a self-discovery journey and um and just how you can embody more love, how you can bring in more prosperity, all the things, how you can work with your dreams. And then the best toys for sex at DameProducts.com, code Jade gets you fifteen percent off. I take the Air A E R, which is the clit sucker. I take it with me when I travel. I take it with me everywhere. Sometimes it's in my fanny pack. You never know when it will come in handy. So it creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris, so you can go all the way right away. I like to call it the Bliss Button now. Um, so we'll call it the Bliss. I don't know. Let's come up with a name for the, for it. So, 15% off with code jade and then I like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg. I am about to start teaching classes or one-on-one sessions using the yoni egg, the jade egg. You oh my god, you guys, the things that you could do with the jade egg. I even got to the point where I was like, this is why I was named Jade because <laughs> I feel so called to lead women through jade egg practices. Uh so that's at wands.com, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code Jade for a discount. And then you can reach out to me to teach you how to use it. Uh, all things infrared, higher dose infrared products, code Jade75 75 for $75 off. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me, y'all, if you would leave a review. If every person that listened to this episode left a review, oh my God, it would do wonders so please leave a review share an episode with a friend you can also join me on instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast as always be a light stay open and remember you belong here